0: DJ PK and Brendan Quinn joins us. He writes about college basketball and golf for the Athletic. He's currently at Riviera with the PGA Tour there. Final stop on the West Coast swing. Florida's coming up. Brendan, good morning.
1: Good morning, guys.
0: Riviera, good work if you can get it, right?
1: Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> not, not bad. Not bad. Especially when you live in Detroit. Uh, a nice trip to Riviera in uh in mid-February is, is, a, is a nice, nice scam. <laughs>
0: Uh, We want to have you on because you got a big story on The Athletic about BYU basketball. And frequently, when you start writing those stories, well, you know a lot of stuff, and that's why you want to write it, because you want to tell that story that you know to a wider audience. But frequently, you also learn new things along the way. So how much did you know and what did you learn as you uh, got ready to write this article on, on BYU, making the move to the Big 12, and recruiting all over the world?
1: Yeah, I, I would say I knew a fair amount about the, the school and the church affiliation, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, what, what really interested me from the onset in kind of diving into BYU was um, just watching the play. And, and there was a, I don't know if you guys saw it, but uh, Jordan Sperber, who's a great um, kind of online analyst, Uh, put together a uh, film clip of uh, the kind of really picked apart BYU's offense and how they use fake handoffs and all this stuff and just kind of really got into the the nitty-gritty of of why they are so efficient offensively. And it's just beautiful basketball. You know, I mean, they run such great offense. It's so much fun to watch, especially when they have – I like Lisa in the, in the high post and a running offense through him. It's just like, it's a really fun brand of basketball. And that's what kind of spurred me to say, well, let's go, let's go figure out like, you know, what is, um, what's the team about and, and how did this all kind of come to be. And then the story kind of just took on a life of its own from, from there and diving into, you know, three, um, three Muslim players and the roster construction, et cetera, et cetera. And then it kinda of turned into, well, let's try to explain to a broader audience who might not really understand the school and what the you know, what the, the contours that kinda of come with trying to trying to construct a roster. Um, and then the the overriding element of moving to the Big Twelve and now complain, competing in the best conference in college basketball.
2: Was the idea for the story since you were coming out to LA anyway, stopping Provo? Is that how it came about?
1: No, no, no. This was a this is a one off trip. I I uh, I was actually there, um, it was January twenty first to the twenty fourth. I was there for the Houston game. Oh, okay. So right after right after the loss to Texas Tech, um, that was on a Saturday. I was in in the office with Mark Pope that Sunday the next day and you know campus was pretty empty no one was in the basketball office it was just he and I sitting in the office for for about two hours and uh and kind of went from there and went to the the Houston game that night was the first time I I'd seen a game at Marriott and uh that was awesome you know the, the energy was off the charts and then uh got out of there the next day
0: Obviously, BYU is different, but obviously this era of college basketball is different. There's more international talent than ever before. The transfer portal has guys moving around and coaches quickly having to rebuild rosters. How similar is this new era? How similar in this new era is BYU doing to what everybody else is doing? And how much is it still very different than what everybody else is doing?
1: Well, I mean, I, I feel like it's still relatively early in in the era, and that's mm-hmm. kind of one of my big questions. Is you know, it, it's one thing to try to build a roster in in the WCC. Um, you know, this is the first year in, in Big Twelve, and it the, the, you know, college basketball as a whole is older. College basketball as a whole is now just so transient, and and BYU has. Ha- like this, their model that's always been in place there of, of return missionaries and, you know, trying to find a couple players that still fit. Like, how does that work in an era where, you know, I remember being in coaches' offices five, 10, 15 years ago, where they would have the charts up of their scholarship players two, three, four years out, and it would be for recruiting, right? So they would have these charts of, you know, their freshman would then on the fourth panel would be listed as seniors and how many open scholarships would you have? That's all out the window. Now it's just totally year to year. And, you know, when, when you're living in this world and you, you have to recruit, you know, certain types of players and you're just more confined to what you can reasonably do and the number of players who would be interested in doing that. um, How does that jive? I don't know. Um, I mean, they BYU's obviously had some success with, with transfers, you know, well before the transfer portal era. And even on the current roster, you know, Jackson Robinson um, coming in and, and taking on the role that, that he's taken. And, uh, you know, the, the Adams, who you haven't seen, but is going to, you know, potentially play a part. Um, but what you're seeing right now is, you know, upwards of 70% of scoring leaders in, in – um, you know, leading conference uh, scoring leaders are now transfers. You know, used to be 20% were transfers. Um, Is This is a world where you're going to see majority rosters that are transfer players. And, you know, BYU is a place where I just don't know if it ever gets there in that way. So, um, I don't know. It's going to be what they make of it. I think it's a a really fascinating – the word that they use is tension, which as a writer is like – that's what you're looking for um and and there's a ton of it there for sure
2: yeah and also too a quote that caught my eye you quote uh keith vorkink who and byu they have a lot of layers of bureaucracy uh, and mm-hmm. Pope reports to him rather than reporting directly to the athletic director which is usually the case so they have an extra person in there and It's always been a sore point for some people, but that's the way BYU does it. And you got him with a quote that – and you set it up nicely – uh, and, I, and I like how you do it because you, you quote Khalifa, who's I knew nothing about the Mormons, but once this big 12, I was in. And, you know, I don't know how much you knew about the Mormons, but it's clear you picked up on it because it says going in on, mm-hmm. this, is, this is your own writing, going in on all sports is a great marketing play for the faith, but not if it con- conflicts with the divine mission. And the quote is with our leadership, there's absolutely awareness of what's at stake. And I think there's hope, but wariness. the reality is if things re- move, So far in a certain direction, we're out. We have to be able to achieve our objectives in order to be in athletics. Well, BYU fans, wait a second. If things move in a certain direction, because things are moving in crazy directions, we're out. (laughs) You know what I mean? And uh, we've all been in sports media for a good long while, and the stuff we've seen the last few years has just been sort of crazy for sure. Uh, What did you take from that? Do you think that was sort of a – uh, just like a, a let's do lunch with no real meaning or, hey,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if things
2: continue to go, this is serious and we're going to get out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's the the big question. Because for me, and like one of the, the kind of unanswered questions that I left with is like, what's the line and how willing or how close are you willing to get to it? <laughs> you know, um, like I, I almost no one would come out and say anything like to the extent of like, look, there would never be a scenario of a roster being majority non-LDS, right? Like, is that a line? Like, is there a, does a world exist where there would be um, a basketball roster, for instance, that was majority non-LDS players? And, like, no one would answer that question. And, you know, I think theoretically that could be something that you're like, you might have to get there if you're going to live in – this big 12 world and this transfer portal era and what are you doing about NIL, um, all these things. So like, what are the lines of demarcation that church leadership has of like, we won't go past this and, you know, do those lines exist? I imagine they do. I don't know what they are. I always, I think folks out there would probably be far more, um, intelligent about that, uh, than I am. But um, to me, that was just my general sense that there are just like some things that will not happen. And if those things will not happen, can you still compete? Um, because you're going out and you're playing NCAA tournament teams every single night. And this is, the, this, is what you, this is what you wanted, right? When you join the Big 12 and you don't want to be left behind in college sports, um, like it was a major coup to get that spot in that conference that a lot of other places would have killed for. Go talk to Memphis, you know? Um, you know, places that were desperate to get in that conference. Um, BYU got it because it has a massive audience. It's a big brand. People know it, um, and it competes. So, but, but now that, that comes with evolution and, and, and change in theory and, and taking the next step that other places are, are willing to do. And, you know, there's, for instance, like I mentioned, I live in Detroit. You know, University of Michigan has really, really strict enrollment issues for, for, um, for transfers, especially people who've been in college three, four years, and what credits credits transfer, and, and they're not willing to break from that, and it's killing them in the transfer portal. They're just not being able to get certain kids. They missed on Caleb Love because of it. They missed on Karen Shannon because of it, and like you know, the school is now in this push-pull. I feel like BYU is that multiplied by many, many times.
0: I don't know that you have it, given what you just said. I don't know if you have any insight into this question, but we've heard so much from schools about the student-athlete, and it looks like big-time football, and it remains to be seen, it certainly remains to be seen with basketball, but big-time football is going to a place where the top two leagues are going to have employees, and maybe employees who don't go to class. I would lean towards it's going that way, but we'll see, and, and we'll see how quickly. Does that sound like a line that BYU would be willing to cross, or not? Do you have any feeling on that?
1: My guess would be no. I mean, just just based on my my time there and speaking to people about academics and their schoolwork and things like that, and like it, it is taken pretty seriously, far more seriously than at a lot of places that I've visited, where it's you know it's, it's incidental. It's stuff kind of in the background of yeah, class and whatever, and we're going to make sure that. You know, everyone's eligible. Let's just say that, you know, (laughs) the days of being ineligible are over. Um, And, I I mean, BYU, based on my time there, it seems like it's still very much you are in class, you are taking tests, you are not missing this. You know, there are – it's taken pretty seriously. So, um, I I think – I, I don't know if a you know, these, these football programs are always still going to be tied to the colleges that they are affiliated with. Right. Um, and, and it is one of the bizarre you know constructs of collegiate athletics. Um, and you're just kind of like, why, but it's just evolution. No one would have set it up this way in an, if we were starting over, but, um, this is what it is. These schools are always going to pretend that it's part of their identity and an academic level. Um, but it's kind of a front, so it's a front for, for making money. Uh, this, how does you live there? I don't know. Um, probably uncomfortably, I would guess.
2: <laughs> yeah, I find your comments to be very perceptive for a, you know, a so-called outsider because you got in there and you really covered the stuff A to Z. You did a great job on the story. I've got it in front of me, obviously. and. Uh, You bring up how uh, a couple years back, whenever it was, that they started, I think, the four or or five non-LDS guys, four African-Americans, I think it was. uh, And, you know, that has always been an issue there, obviously. And Mm -hmm. a lot of folks celebrated the diversity of it. But I had one who – the person is still employed by BYU um, say – well, what happened to the days where we had LDS guys and that's what we were doing and we had returned missionaries because that's who we are. Where are we going with this? And so, you know, it was it was great to see in, in some respects, but then are we going to the expense of not recruiting the bread and butter and the reason why the institution exists in the first place? So it's an interesting dynamic because in order to compete at the – High level, which the Big 12 obviously is, you're going to need these basic, you know, just non-LDS guys because the fact is, there's I don't think there's enough LDS guys who would come to BYU and be a big-time competitive program in this conference. So I personally like what Pope's doing because I want to talk about winners. It makes a uh, makes it more fun, but there is that dynamic and. How were you able to sense that just in the short time that you were on campus talking to these people? Because I think it's your, your perception of the whole thing and your instinct is really phenomenal on it.
1: You could just kind of feel this tug of war where, you know, OK, this is a, it's a university built by the faith for the faith. And that means offering opportunities to church members. Right. So like you said, you know, that part of this program existing is as a place for return missionary athletes who want to go to college and, and play at a high level and play collegiate sports. Does that have to be at the absolute highest level? You know, I don't know. That's kind of in the eye of the beholder. But, um, you know, that is the, that is the intent, is to be a place for those members of the faith. At the same time, Being out there, I really came to kind of uh, more readily understand that athletics at BYU is as much about brand recognition and marketing. And, you know, it is almost modern missionary work of getting the word out and getting the name of the school out there and having, you know, that one person out there say, hey, what's this place about? Look into it and maybe they, you know, find inspiration or whatever. Um, you know, that's not for me to say. And, you know, I, I tried to take the faith element as much on uh, w- without putting any of my thoughts. And, you know, that's that's not wasn't part of the story at all. So that that stayed out of it. It was. But to me, that's kind of this tug of war that I could feel is, OK, so if you want to use athletics as a as a marketing brand, for lack of a better term, um, well, then you need to win. And to win, you need the best players. And are you able to to get the best players within the confines of, of LBS athletes being um, the majority of your rosters. That's hard. And, and it's, and it's only gets harder as more time passes. And you're right. You know, they're not the only school out there willing to take these guys, you know, I mean, Oregon was all over the Chandler kid and Utah was on the Chandler kid. And um, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. You know, if anyone, yeah. if any, if, if anyone's good, they're going to be recruited. Yeah, for you sure. know, it's not just some pipeline for BYU. No. So um, that, 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 those two things, I don't know how they can operate, uh, concurrently.
2: So I figure the way you say the word basketball, you've yeah. got to have some
1: Northeast in your background. Am I correct? <laughs> I'm from Philadelphia. I went to St. Joe's, St. Joe's. which actually played <laughs> the first game in the Marriott center. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Not how about with that. Fun fact. Not with
2: Phil Martelli
1: or Jameer Nelson. <laughs> uh, Jameer was a year ahead of me. Yes. Yes, that was, uh, that was my junior year when they went 27-0, uh, and 0 and uh, I remember all of it, and I remember none of it. So <laughs> how much time did you spend in Ocean City, New Jersey in the summer? Uh, fair amount. I, I was more of a Seattle guy, but I got it in in Ocean City for sure. There you yeah. go. I spent a lot of time there growing up. I grew up in New
2: Jersey myself.
0: <laughs> Outstanding. So as a Detroit guy. Yeah, I, 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 go ahead. Go. As a Detroit guy, are you going to follow the tour to Florida or is uh, the uh, is L.A. the end of the gravy train?
1: Well, i got to go back to hoops now. Um, so going back to Detroit after this and then uh, a couple of weeks of, of writing work and then I head to Arizona to check in with uh, a Final Four contender for a couple days, go see what's happening with Tommy Lloyd and the boys, and then I will be off and running for conference tournaments three weeks, for the NCAA tournament and then to augusta for the masters
2: well i graduated from asu so light up the cats for me okay (laughs)
1: i'll I'll see what i'll see what i can do what's going to happen with bobby is he he the coach at arizona state next year or does he take the the happy parachute to depaul or something like that i think he's
2: probably going to do enough down the stretch to where they want him back, but they they got to get the athletic director. I mean, he's been there 10 years, which is far longer than most of them. And I, and I, and I know some people there and they said he's got a halfway decent recruiting class coming
1: in. So my thought is stay. He got an extension last year. I think there's probably at least enough money in that to, to stick around. Um, the school probably doesn't want to do the buyout and, I'm convinced he has no interest in coaching in the same league as, as his, brother. his brother. Yeah. So right, if 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 the Paul's the only offer, I don't see him jump in anywhere. But you know, who knows what else opens well, up.
2: As long as Herm Edwards is not allowed within 500 miles of the state of Arizona, I'm okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, fair enough.
0: All right. Well, we'll read your stuff, and we'll see if we can get any more on how Arizona lost a quarter of a billion dollars, and how that's going to impact the basketball program and athletic department, <laughs> if at all. Because that's a one of a kind story you can only get by going to Tucson.
1: Well, I don't know if people will be quite as readily available to uh, to, to talk about that one. Yeah. Um, but I, I do hope to cross paths with with BYU because I will say there are there's still so much in the notebook there of. Of some individual player stories, that it is a fascinating collection of guys um, that that Mark Pope has has role in there, and uh, they're good. I think they got. I think they should have very real second weekend aspirations um, in this in this tournament.
0: We appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us, Brendan. Thanks joining us. All right, guys, thanks a what Brendan Quinn, college basketball and golf writer for the Athletic, joining us from Riviera and the LA Open. And talking about BYU and the big story he wrote in The Athletic. DJ and PK, when we come back, everything you missed in this show. A lot of jazz talk this morning after another loss. It has been a completely different team the last week. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Accessing. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G.
1: Travis Kelsey bumps Andy Reid, screams in his face, nearly knocking the coach down.
0: You gotta understand what the player-coach relationship is. Andy knows what Travis's intentions are. He knows that Travis isn't there to hurt him. He's just there to touch him on the arm and say, "Hey, you know I should have been on the field. That fumble would have never happened if you would have targeted me like you were supposed to." So yeah, it makes me sick that that happened in front of millions of people. That Andy Reid would look to be disrespected like that. But I'm also smart. Enough and been around the game enough to know that coaches and players they just each have their own unique relationships.
2: If anybody would have ever touched LaBelle Edwards like that, it would have been a complete come apart. Nobody
1: touched LaBelle Edwards like that.
0: Catch Hanson Scotty weekdays from noon to three on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. DJ PK, it's 97.5 the zone. Time to get you up to speed on all the stuff we've been talking about for the last three and a half hours and It is brought to you by Tim Dolly Mazda Southtown. Find your new Mazda at the south end of the valley valley, at Tim Dolly Mazda Southtown. That's Tim Dolly Mazda Southtown in Sandy. Oh look at Tim Dolly
2: Mazda
0: Southtown. That's pretty good. Thank you. The Jazz (laughs) lose again, three in a row. PK doesn't pass the eyeball test. They don't look right. The energy level, the confidence level, the belief level all way down. The talent level also down. The players... Limited amount they can do about that. The trades that happen, happen. So they just got to go forward. I guess they can control their own talent level over the time, all the drills they do and the workouts, and the young guys have to get better. But in the short run, what they can control is uh, effort and emotion and energy, and they're coming up way short in those categories.
2: There's no question they look defeated. And they're 0 for 3. It's, it's, it's unfortunate. They had a decent thing going and they don't now, and management and it very well could be the right decision. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just stating what is available right now isn't necessarily a good product. And now management, they've made that decision. Uh, I, I basically support it because there's a track record there It that's painful in the short term, and those are the, the very phrases that uh, Jay-Z used himself. And so we're all just going to have to hang with it, get through it, and – Expect, not hope, expect better better days.
0: Yes, but how soon should we expect better days? Uh,
2: Well, I'm not willing to write off the rest of the season.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: It's too many games. Too much is at stake. Not necessarily this season, but for future seasons. So I expect better play this season and then certainly better play in October. You just wait. October of 24, big guy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they need more talent on the roster. When yeah. will they be acquiring that? And, we'll Jay-Z, and that his, over the summer. Jay-Z and his thing said that, uh, you know, the meme, he referenced the meme, it's been zero days since there was drama in the NBA. So somebody who's in a good situation and is happy and wants to be there, somebody could want out. Any morning you could wake up and find out, oh, there's a possibility there that wasn't there last night. But that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to fix things this summer. There are probably Jazz fans going to the trade deadline, hoping I hope they make a trade now that makes the team better in the short term. That always seemed to be a low percentage opportunity from my vantage point. But it was there. I mean, there was a chance it could happen. just didn't seem like it. Well, there's very... going
2: to come a time when all the chips are
0: in. That seems a long way away right it's
2: not now. not a pet- perpetual rebuild. It's yeah. not a 10-year rebuild. We'll be dead by then from <laughs> frustration. And hey, it's not going to happen.
0: I don't know if we're going to be here Sunday.
2: Well, I'm not going to be here Sunday.
0: A-O. And, not in studio. Planet
2: oh. Earth. But if they ask me to come in, I'll come in. Or if they demand me, I will be here. And I think that Ryan Smith wants to win as much as the next guy. I have no doubt about that.
0: Yeah, so does Ainge. And you talked about it at the start of the season. So they'll. They want to go to the playoffs. Once they, he wants to go to the playoffs. Well, I mean, that's a no brainer, though. Well, that's not, those, that's not a big these bold are not, statement. These are not the trades that are made by a guy who wants to go to the playoffs right now. Okay. Okay.
2: But, they, I mean, they had a whole half a season to where the playoff was going to be a one game play in. Yeah.
0: Yep. Well, as Locke said, best, best case scenario. If everything lined up, they were going to play seven postseason games.
2: And that wasn't going to happen. So, I mean, it's like last night. He empties the bench. This isn't going to work here. Mm-hmm. So, you reach a point yep. where you got to take a loss to take a gain. The
0: old, they're going back-to-back. Back, one them step back, two guys. step forwards. Right.
2: blah, 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 that type of thing. And so, with that in mind, that's what I'm expecting. Yeah, These trades, even though they're a downer in the short term, obviously the team has felt that way, puts them on notice, man. You better get better this summer. And you better have a better product come October of 24. That, that That's just the way it is, man. Yep.
0: The vibe in the arena. I mean, it's not just the players who are defeated. The fans are sitting there like, this sucks. They're not going to win. I can't boo LeBron. He's not here. What am I doing here? I come here to see stars, and I come here for wins. And neither one of those things is happening tonight.
2: Yeah, but I also think you come for just to get out.
0: To not out. You're not going to see Hang with the friend. best
2: movie every time you go to a movie. <laughs>
0: You know what I mean? I do. I go to movies hoping it'll be, uh, you know, okay, B B plus movie.
2: And if it depending on what night of the week it is, and you may go out to eat before with friends, it's all about the activity too. I mean, don't discount that. Now, well, they got the, stuff the activity you put in there is also very important. I'm not diminishing that whatsoever. Yeah,
0: I guess the difference is there's people paying. $100, A 300 bucks to go to a jazz game, and they're paying, it. and they're paying 20, 30, 40, 50 bucks to go to the movies, depending on how many people sure, you're paying for. But they're making that, that
2: choice, and no yeah. one's forcing them to do right. it.
0: Right, but I think what when you make the choice to go to a movie and know, okay, we're going to drop you know thirty or forty bucks tonight. I, I don't have the same level less. of anticipation. I understand. I understand. Yeah, like you and your concerts. There are concerts you'll pay more for, and there are concerts you'll pay less for, and there are concerts you won't bother with.
2: Yeah, And you want a good product. Yeah. You don't want them to slog through it.
0: No. If nothing else, how about some fourth quarter drama instead of fourth quarter bench clearing? Even if they lose, fourth sure. quarter drama. Fourth quarter drama? Yes. But in the third quarter, didn't you look at that and think they don't really want to be here right now? <laughs> I literally said that to somebody who was like, eh, I don't that's know, a good they, way of putting it. They be They know they're not going to win. Yeah. All right, Jazz and Warriors tonight. Warriors coming off a loss. They just beat the Jazz on Monday. They will try again tonight. We'll see how that plays out. Uh, the rest of the NBA, what stunned, shocked or amazed you? You shrugged at the Nuggets losing to the Kings because Jamal Murray didn't play. He didn't. Yep. So never mind. That's not that big a deal. The Celtics beating the Nets by 50. Nah, I don't, don't see 50-point blowouts very often. I don't
2: care about that. That's over in the East. I don't worry about the East until—
0: Grizzlies beat the Rockets. What Houston does could have a big say on whether the Jazz keep the draft pick or not. Sure, I understand that. Are they 9, 10, 11, or 12 in the West? Or, excuse me, in the league, in the draft order. Not in the West, but in the league.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, there's no way they're 9 or 10. But nope, nope. You go, uh, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, we'll watch that. It's still a little too early for me to be thinking about that.
0: Right now, the Jazz are tied for 11 and 12 with the Bulls, and Houston's 10. So watch the Rockets. They lost to the Grizzlies, 121, 113. College Hoops, Utah State. We talked a little bit about this. The double A, Wyoming, not as full on a weeknight as a weekend. A little easier to win there. Only Wyoming's third home loss of the year. The Aggies came from behind after halftime. Good work by them to get win number 21.
2: Yeah, it's flicking back and forth. I I felt that uh, they had a good chance to win. They're a better team.
0: They are a better there team.
2: There was no atmosphere in the Double A. It was just covered with yellow, all the empty seats. Yep. And I looked it up. and They had three thousand people.
0: Hmm. And what is that? C twelve.
2: Yeah, it's basically like the Huntsman Center. Yeah.
0: I mean, I I, I be- Huntsman's fifteen. But well,
2: yeah. I, I think it's very close to it.
0: Yeah. I think It's got the same mold. Well, they, they, were, mo- they literally
2: they modeled, modeled it after. Right. When I first got there, I had known I knew nothing about it, but I can remember going similar, back. They similar, told
0: me. Similar architects, yeah. Weber State, Utah, Wyoming. You just watch them on TV and see some of the similarities. And
2: I think they literally modeled it after yeah. the Huntsman Center.
0: That's a good thing. Let's do it. Yeah. And they did. So now the Aggies move on to Colorado State on the weekend, a team that's 13-1 and one at home, but right in the middle of the Mountain West Conference standings. Aggie's still in the top spot all by themselves. Ohio State fired head coach Chris Holman yesterday in his seventh season. He is owed $12.8 million. Money is just not a factor for some schools, PK. A lot of schools look at $12.8 and think, well, you can coach another season. Get that number down a little bit. Man, that's an
2: outrageous amount of money. To Ohio State's going to go is write the that's check. Just crazy. That's crazy. That's, that's mind blowing. Why would you put yourself in the position of guaranteeing him that? What did he ever do to be worthy of a guarantee of that? I mean, he had some success early, but still,
0: did twelve point eight that? million.
2: Man, that that's like, and then yeah, the, well, of course, the athletic director is gone anyways with the Bears, mm-hmm. uh, so it's 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 not their money, not coming out of my wallet,
0: right? But if you're wondering. <laughs> Which schools can afford to pay athletes and have a ton of cash? We'll put Ohio State right at the top of the list.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, Ohio Colorado and ASU pay ten million for coach football coaches to go away, so they're not either of those institutions are in the not category. Of the others, nope,
0: not rolling the cash. So, and then you look at uh, you look at when sports get cut. I mean, some of those sports getting cut, their budgets are just a small fraction of this kind of ten and twelve million dollar payout. But for football and basketball, the rules are different. Hoops tonight, Utah and USC. All right, it's February. Can we use the term must win now?
2: Well, in terms of trying to get a road win, this is your golden opportunity.
0: It doesn't get much better than this. USC 3 and 10. Oregon State now has a seller at 3 and 11 in the Pac-12. Got to get these guys. And obviously, the first pack the first elusive Pac-12 road win still out there for the Utes. Maybe it's tonight. Late tip, 9 o'clock, FS1. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. When we come back, your feedback next. Stay with us.
1: And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere.
0: Time for your feedback. Question of the morning. Since the trades, the lifeless jazz are 0-3. Why? Oh, why? Swolchai Abaji. at Spencer Keel. It's because the Jazz have played three of the hottest teams in the NBA right now. The Suns, Warriors, and Lakers are rolling everyone they play. Well, not everyone. I mean, the Warriors did lose last night, but I get your point. They are fairly hot right now. Lawyers, Lakers have won 6 of 7. Warriors have won 7 of 9. And the Suns have won 14 of 18.
2: They're my three favorites to play in
0: the finals. No, they're not.
2: <laughs>
0: it's the kind of stuff you just throw out there.
2: They're hot right now. Abadji's brother said so.
0: Swolchai (laughs) Abadji. It's a half-decent name. That's good work. Thank you, Spencer. Scott, I think it represents rebuild mode again. Plus, we scored less points. That's why. Fewer points, but you know. UJ at Jazz Time Jones. Well, it's because they weren't actually good in the first place. They caught teams missing stars. Okay, well, not every night for six weeks. No, they were playing some good ball. Now, yes, they caught teams with stars. So yeah, the numbers are a little inflated, but they were still even without those breaks. They were well over five hundred. They lost some games
2: because they didn't have their guys. True story. Flushes out. Come on. I know good ball when I see it, and they were playing good ball.
0: Skip says, well, let's see. The Jazz traded three of their top eight players and replaced them with a guy who was buried on the bench, a G-leaguer, and it seems nobody.
2: That's not true. Obaji was not, not in one
0: of the top eight. eight. He he was a guy uh, 9.5. <laughs> That's a good reference by Jay-Z. A nine and a half man rotation.
2: I never knew how valuable. What'd they say? You don't know how much you miss something until it's gone? Gosh, I desperately miss Fontecchio and Olenek. At least now I don't have to think. Is it Olenek or Olenek? It's Olenek. I know, but I have always have to think about it. It never comes natural to me.
0: Sammy says this is all good. Quit your whining. We need to lose games. We need our top ten pick, or it goes away. Jazz are only going to compete or get better through the draft. So we need to accept that.
2: Not only, no, I disagree with that.
0: You think there'll be a good trade out there? So do I. I don't. Know. What team has been put together only through the draft? Well, you can you sign can go mostly. A, you but can not
2: sign only. a mid-level free agent type guy. The harp rings of the world mm-hmm. have come. Yeah. And they've been very good players for them. I think those players will be available, particularly the foreign guy.
0: The Fontecchio, Joe Ingles mold. Oh, there's that. Find the 27-year-old. Royce,
2: Royce O'Neal yeah. has worked himself play, in a mighty at Baylor, fine went NBA over for, career.
0: Yeah, play, went overseas, came back.
2: Don't forget Denver. He also played at Denver, too. I don't know why he goes strictly just Baylor. I hate Denver. He transferred. And he's a nice player. He's
0: Yes, he is. He's, he's carving out a good career. We always talk about the 10-year rule. He's not there yet, but he seems on track. Oh, he will get there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: He will get there for sure.
0: Since the trades, the Jazz are a lifeless 0-3, why, oh, And Joseph Leveridge says, well, THT for one. Too much iso ball. Doesn't like it. Isolation I- ball? THT's going to the hoop. Well, you like it if it goes in. <laughs> <laughs> NBA teams do not live by ISO alone. All right, there's your feedback from today's show. Anything else you want to share on the way out the door, PK? Or four hours, you're gas. That's it. You got nothing else. Caitlin
2: Clark tonight gonna set the scoring record. She's a heck of a player.
0: I thought of you. I saw a list of uh, the Best players in Major League Baseball who are still free agents as camp opens.
2: oh let's see. You got your Clay Bellinger. You got uh, Montgomery. You got Blake Snell. Uh, some, you got J.D.
0: Martinez. There's some talent out there. And another good one. Sources: MLB to crack down on obstruction rule. Why do you need a source for what, that?
2: What, what, what's obstruction?
0: I think the. does uh, that mean? Uh, the catcher blocking home plate. Obstruction is defined as the act of a fielder who will not in possession of the ball and not in the act of fielding the ball impedes the progress of any runner. Well, I mean, they've already done that at the plate. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, and it believes infielders are doing it now, too. I, that's Subtly, what Because yeah. they've already done it. You're right. All right, well, there you go.
2: Also, baseball uh, base runners stand there in the last second and then try to hop over the ball when oh, they know yeah. it's going to be a, a pretty much a guaranteed ground, uh, ground ball double play. But I think that's what yep, it means. and
0: they're saying it's mostly going to impact plays around second and third base. Yeah. So, baseball's coming. First, March Madness and that is such a hip Masters.
2: sport, man. They change with the times. Baseball is groovy.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 The Zone. Jake and Ben are up next.